Hi, I'm Rico Galliano. And I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And on this week's show, we learn how to make a spectacular cocktail. We joke around with a columnist from the Los Angeles Times. We talk to a band we've loved forever. All so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough uh, job. That's right. It's it's not salt mining, ladies and gentlemen, but it does take kind of an astonishing amount of time and effort to distill the most interesting and tasty stuff in the world down to 15 minutes of audio tape. Trust us. And it also costs money. There's bandwidth. There's studio time. If you value the Dinner Party Download, make a contribution to our website, dinnerpartydownload.org. Now, back to the grind. Here's your icebreaker. <laughs> a three-legged dog walks into a bar and says, I'm looking for the guy who shot my paw. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano, and from American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that equips you with everything you need to win this weekend's dinner party. You just got a joke from novelist Rick Moody to break the ice. Later, you'll hear some stuff you didn't know from Alistair McLean of Brit Band The Clientele, but first, as at any dinner party, let's make some small talk. This week in the news, you've been hearing this. Hurricane Earl barreling now toward the United States. President Obama welcomed Israeli and Palestinian leaders to the White House. The Coast Guard is responding to another explosion in the Gulf of Mexico. Now it's time to arm you with a news story everyone hasn't heard. Joining us is Pat Morrison. She's a columnist for the L.A. Times and host of a daily radio show on KPCC in Los Angeles. Pat, what story are you going to be talking about at your dinner parties this weekend? Stadium panic at the NFL. They aren't selling as many tickets. People are staying home to watch. Is that because of the bad economy? or I think what? it's because there's so many ways to watch. You've got a big screen television, NFL channels. You don't have to miss a single game. They won't switch away to hiding. <laughs> <laughs> and all you need is tax breaks and people peeing outside. And it's, it's just like actually going to a stadium. Oh, well, that's the easy part. I have to say that surprises me as a Pittsburgher because at, in my hometown, people put their kids on the waiting list for season tickets for the Steelers when they're born. They right? do that <laughs> with the Raiders out here, too. I spoke to a man some years ago. I think use the down payment for his house for Raiders tickets. <laughs> I think but you actually have to give your that... newborn to the Raiders to get tickets, actually. <laughs> but in the main, it's so attractive to stay home and so much cheaper when you can get for $300 a year's worth of all games, and it costs maybe $400 to take your family to one pro game. So the NFL is fighting the NFL. I don't know. I, are you sure that it's not just like we have other places where we can watch people being mean to each other over small pieces of land, like, you know, the Middle East or oh. Afghanistan? <laughs> or a Los Angeles Zoning Commission meeting. <laughs> There's it's, that. It's warriors battling warriors. Uh, Pat Morrison, thanks for the small talk. Pleasure. And, Cowboys suck. And with that... Time for cocktails. This is where we tell you about something that happened this week in history, and afterwards we give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history is your uncle at the Labor Day party, cooling himself in a kiddie pool full of booze. Uncle? That's my plan this weekend. First, the history. This week, back in 1666, 100,000 people lost their homes in the Great Fire of London. Now, most of the folks at your dinner party will have heard of the fire. Our friend Michelle Philippi tells us a few things about it they won't know. Here's how not to prevent one of the worst fires in history. First, build a city out of wood. Crowd all the houses together, weatherproof them with flammable tar. And look the other way when a fire hazard like, say, a bakery sets up shop next to horse stables full of straw. 
That's how the fire began when a baker fell asleep with his oven on. His burning building ignited the stables, which ignited nearby warehouses full of coal and lamp oil. In just three days, most of London burned. You could see the flames from 30 miles away. Just 16 people died in the fire. No one knows how many were killed by mobs. Rumors spread that French or Dutchmen started the blaze. They were attacked in the streets. Two years later, on the monument commemorating the disaster, an inscription blamed it all on evil Catholics. Eventually, though, London bakers admitted one of their own was responsible. They even issued a formal apology in 1986, 320 years after the fire itself. So after that history, I need a drink. And here with a recipe is Reza Esmaili of the Long Bar on Fillmore Street in San Francisco, another town that's had its share of huge fires. Reza, you heard the story. What drink does it inspire you to make? It's a drink called the Blue Blazer, a highly difficult cocktail to prepare. There are a few people in the world that do it on a regular basis. It requires super high alcohol scotch and a lot of flame. All right. So for those of us who are willing to cause yet another fire of London, how does one make this? drink. It requires cast strength single malt whiskey, which has much higher proof, and one part water, and just a little bit of demerara. What is demerara? Uh, a raw brown sugar from French Guiana. All right, and do I need any special gear to mix this? or Silver-plated just... or pewter cups with handles on them, like an old-fashioned beer mug style. In one of them, you would put just a little bit of this water and sugar solution, okay. and then the other one would be the whiskey and the scalding hot boiling water. So it's already dangerous. Yes, precisely. Do I add a match at this point? Yeah, we would ignite the liquid, mixing back and forth from one cup into the other, creating a rainbow of scotch fire. Do you then serve it on fire? Uh, scalding hot, but with the flame out. Because it's hard to enjoy further drinks without lips. Yes. Man. Blue Blazer. Isn't that a great name? Classy. Classy. Makes me think of a, a dapper gentleman. The days of old. Nowadays, they'd, they'd call it something like the blue sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be like a Red Bull with a cigarette put out in it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our website is a little classier than that. Just a little. <laughs> with a name to match. Dinnerpartydownload.org. Fire. Our guest of honor this week is Alistair McLean of the British band The Clientele. They've been one of the most respected indie pop bands for over a decade now. Here's a clip from Minotaur, the title track from their new mini-album. I dream one night that I was young But life had passed me by It's not happening No more I am the Alistair, how should we interpret you declaring yourself a Minotaur? <laughs> Um, there's a story by an Argentinian writer called Borges. I'm going to pronounce it Borges to avoid just really making myself seem pretentious. Well, you mispronounce Minotaur on the album, so I don't see why you should change that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just the English way to pronounce it. <laughs> it's a story about the Minotaur. The Minotaur is in the labyrinth. He knows he's going to die, but he's become so bored at his life that he welcomes his own death. I dreamt parts of that story and wrote the words to the song. But you've been in the clientele now for something like 13 years. So is that maybe your subconscious telling you that you're getting near the end? No, I don't know. I mean, these these songs, the outtakes from the last LP, I mean, I think everyone felt at the time that it would probably be the last record we did. So this EP could be the last batch of your songs? Well, it looks that way at the moment. 
So, so is it too early to kind of look back on um, the place the clientele will hold in indie rock history? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd be happy if they if we occupied any place in indie rock music history. Well, you'll know you've made it when people start imitating you, which hasn't happened to my knowledge, has it? I think you're right. I don't think anyone has. But I think it's quite difficult to do because you've had to have had several misfortunes happening to you in a row. You know, like you, you have to have learned Spanish guitar, but then decided to play in a pop band uh-huh you know you've you had to you have to have done a you know like studied literature and then decided to be in a pop band you have to have made a lot of mistakes in a <laughs> row to really get to the place we're in you know well another unfortunate thing that you have to go through is our two standard questions the first of which is what question are you tired of being asked why is the clientele so much more successful in America than it is in Britain? Why is it even so much more successful in Europe? You know, the reason I'm t- sick of being asked it is because I don't have an answer. I only have fears. <laughs> and my fear is that we've become kind of a caricature of Englishness that still sells <laughs> to the Anglophile market overseas. Well, I don't want to make light of your fears, but I can assure you that the clientele will be remembered for more than just being from Britain. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. Thank you. They might even be remembered for making Borges references at the beginning of interviews. <laughs> okay, so we have a second question on our show. Tell us something we don't know about you or the world in general. The last job I did that wasn't music, I worked for the Foreign Office in Britain. And my job was to scan the reports from diplomatic staff all over the world. I had to perform what was called a sanity check on them. Just read them and write back and say, you know, you really can't say this about China because it's delusory. Are you, are you being serious right now? I'm perfectly serious, yeah. Well, I think I know why countries outside the UK like their music. It's because you had access to them via the foreign office. <laughs> and obviously, um, you disseminated the clientele secretly throughout embassies around the world. There's sinister tentacles of influence, definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say any more, though. Oh, well, he just sounds like a fine, droll fellow. That's true. But you know what the interview got me thinking about? What? I am the genitor. <laughs> <laughs> half man, half cocktail. Can you call me that from now on? Uh, yeah, it explains why you have olives for eyes and a plastic sword through your head. That's frightening. And that's the dinner party download for this week. Thanks to Jackson Musker and Skylight Books. Uh, speaking of which, you can find all the books and music we covered this week at our new web store. There's a link at dinnerpartydownload.org. And we leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to... We're departing from this weekend's dinner party. And this week it's an unusual tune from Neil Young, uh, one that has been stuck in Brendan's head all week. This is from Neil's little understood album, Everybody's Rockin'. The song is called Wondering. Bon Appetit. I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And Rico, you know what I heard the other day? That instead of going to dinner parties, people are increasingly staying at home and listening to our show. Really? Yeah. You know, actually, that kind of makes sense, because if you go out, you got to drive, you got to buy wine, but to listen to our show, it's free. Unless you make a contribution at our website, dinnerpartydownload.org, using your computer that's probably near you because you're at home. Correct.